1: Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. If you've been listening to the Dr. Pat Show for the past hour, welcome back to all of you. And for those of you out there um, that are just tuning in or listening to this through the podcast mechanism, it's great to have all of you. Um, look, last show you heard me talk about the, this world. I call it sometimes this world that we cannot see, but we know, we know, we just know. Now, the question really has been for me in my lifetime And it has been the question of, do I live my life in this level of connection? Or is it something that I do when I'm caught between a rock and a hard place? And so what am I talking about? Well, one of the the most interesting words that I've come across in think it's 16 years now, Benny, 16 years, one of the most interesting words I've come across and know very little about, but completely drawn to it. And you've heard Sarah Mayne talk about it when she talks about, you know, a timeless wisdom in Sanskrit. But it's a word that on occasion I have mispronounced, rudely pronounced, never pronounced. And to this day, not really sure. But I know when I've seen the word, I immediately tune in to something about it. Some people say Deva. Uh, Some people say Diva. Some people talk about it in different ways. But today, my very special guest, an author and much more, uh, Jacqueline Elaine, joining me here today, is the author of a book that so explains to me why in my own life, and many of you, I know you've gone through this, why situations that should have turned out, I can't stand that word, but I need to say it, should have turned out really awful because of something else that maybe you tapped into, you got another possibility. But what is it that we can learn about this kingdom and our relationship with natural spirits that provide us with possibilities, potentiality, and high-performance solutions for life? What is it about this we know, but yet we are holding back uh, to implement? Today, I've got somebody here that's going to give us a modern view of some timeless wisdom that could be the answer to a lot of stuff. Jacqueline, great to have you here.
0: Thank you. It's a, it's a privilege and a pleasure.
1: Am I saying your name right, Jacqueline? You are. Did I get and, that right? And, and how, how did I do with Deva Diva? How did I do Deva. With that? Deva. Deva. I knew I got yeah. it wrong. So I'm going to hear from Sarah Main on that, Deva. Um, I think it's I think what if you think about the I don't
0: I mean I'm not an expert on that in the in the slightest, but when you think about how the Spanish and the Italians say the letter E, um That's it. It's more an A, A isn't it? And I so should know that probably death, but you know I'm I'm not an Indian speaker. A Sanskrit. Speaker. No,
1: but you're right about it because uh, you're absolutely right. But here's the thing I want to talk to you about. It doesn't matter how I say it. When I see the word, something happens to me. Sure. Okay. I, and and I was talking to uh, oh my gosh Benny another table tennis story. Okay. So in the last show I talked about my Japanese partner, right? But I. I, I, myself and, you know, Dipti, we own the rights to the gold medal here in Washington State, right, um, in this sport, and, uh, and, you know, she is a woman from India, and so when you play things or when you get in relationship with people, that have something unusually insightful that you've never had the opportunity in my life to experience, there's a realm that we get to explore. And I think this is part of the realm that you are talking about in this book. See, I can't explain to you why every time I see that word, whether it's the name of a of a woman that does music. So I want to ask you about this. What is the energy? that this brings forward, that's also in your book. It's an energy, isn't it? Mm, It is, and
0: I struggled for quite a few years to actually try and convey that energy in writing. When I started, I started it way back in 2006. And 2006, 2007, I wrote quite a lot um, at the prompting of a Scottish farmer friend. but it was coming out very academic and i, I thought uh, i mean academic writing is kind of easy <laughs> for me anyway
1: yeah it is um, for me too yeah
0: and um and but i realized that i wasn't striking the right note quite literally with it <laughs> so i put it away and over the following 10 years um i i kept you know going back to it i had all the files in my computer and all the material was all there, um, but I just let it percolate away. Sometimes, you know, I think today people are wanting to get things out in a hurry, but I think the lasting things and the deep things actually take time. They take time for you to digest them. They take time for you to mature in your thinking, or or at a more subtle level. Um, and in 2017, I just suddenly knew I had the key to it. Wow. Um, so that's when I, you know, sat down, and got back to it, 2017, 2018, were totally dedicated to the book. So it was about um, instead of, I think, because we, particularly in the West and modern West, you know, we've got this separation thinking going on. Yeah so um and and that's our sort of modus operandi and especially if we're quite sort of mental beings in the sense of you know we use our mental body a lot um then we forget that actually the connection is more subtle than that and to make that connection with other people we need to get into that mode of of feeling the connection, and then it comes out in the words.
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting to me, and and I'm so glad that you did write this. Um, and, and it has been extremely difficult, especially when you're talking with other people, um, when you're you know you're trying to explain an experience, right? Um, but but this is. This is has been a timeless conversation that we as humans have had going way, way back to even before we could actually speak a language, right? You know, we have seen glimpses of this notion of this 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 subtle world, as you call it, our relationship with the subtle world. Um, and as time has gone on gone on, you know, the language has shown up through imagery and visualizations. Um, I wanted to ask you about this because our modern culture, our pop culture, right? Some people call it pop. I like to call it our modern culture. You know, the thing that taps us into uh, digital, radio, television, the whole thing, we have never had more content based on storytelling, fae communities, fairies, gnomes, angelic, we have never had more content coming to bear on this than ever before. What do you think is calling for the this message, the thing that called you to put this in writing? What is being needed to what is being called for, right? Oh, well, I think it's it's you know like a
0: connection, yeah. I think it's connection. I think I think we've um we've so divorced ourselves, particularly from nature, and decided that you know we can do whatever we like to it, um, that we've we've lost that sense that everything is interconnected, and I think you know this is. Um, this is a key theme in the book is how, why, why do, why do we say that we're interconnected? What is the mechanism? And it's this Deva kingdom that's a mechanism. Yeah. Um, but it gets a little more highbrow than that in the sense that um, this, this uh, kingdom of Deva connects us to matter so so we if we think of ourselves as spiritual beings we're here but we're here in a body right we're here in bodies bodies are made of matter um so we're engaging with matter. this world is full of matter and you can define matter as solid liquid gas but it's more than that it's also the emotions that we use. So we tend to we we've disconnect we've disconnected so many things so yeah. much that we yeah. don't realize that actually our emotions are matter and our thoughts are matter. Yeah. They're just more subtle matter. So um and and Deva is the intelligence within matter of all densities. So from everything from something solid like this table that my computer's standing on right through to a uh, liquid, to gas, to what, um, what ageless wisdom calls the etheric. Yeah. Then up to the astral level, which is, is our emotional level, the mental level, and then on up there to the soul level, to body, um, atma and so on, you not know, up and up you go. So, when we realize that matter is the connecting point, we're actually connected through all these different layers and levels and subtleties of matter. And this seems to me to be, and I actually, Dr. Pat, I actually didn't really tumble to this core of it until I was writing it.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's a part in the book which you call uh, si- uh, simultaneous creation. Uh, did I get that right? There's a part in the book that you call simultaneous creation, and I I I stopped there and I read through this a couple of different times um, because I think we underestimate ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think we underestimate yeah. ourselves in a lot of ways and what we're capable of, and you know what we're capable of knowing and I'm not talking about studying, not that. I'm not talking about going, taking a course or getting a degree. I'm talking about a different sense of knowing that nature spirits have, you know, we see them. We, we Mm -hmm. see them in the way where they're portrayed. It doesn't matter what you pick up, look hear, sound, smell, watch on television. They're portrayed in a certain way. Um, Do you think that we have forgotten what we have inside of us.
0: Yeah. Yes, I do. And, um, partly because we're looking for it outside. Yeah. Right. You know, we're looking for nobody, very few people stop long enough to actually make the connections with their house, with their surroundings, with whatever, I mean, even if you live in a city, you can still make those connections. And there's a wonderful book called um oh my goodness, you know, my brain's just gone. Anyway, <laughs> it's about um yeah, it's about oh the songs of trees. That's right. And it's by um anyway, it's called The Songs of Trees. Oh yeah. And and in that book he he talks about he's, he's a, a botanist and he talks about um how trees in places say like new york city you know how you have these lovely little trees in some of the streets and then surrounded by some wire uh some you know iron um but just having a tree in the street in a city uh creates a, a magnetic point for people to come and gather and you know they like to look after the tree and it, and it and it just creates that point of contact. So we must have this innate thing yeah. about nature that we've kind of forced aside in our desire for things, because that's what the emotional body does. It desires stuff and um, the desire to invent and to do, make all the technological things we've made but in doing that, we've we've lost some of the stuff that the indigenous uh, yeah. American people had, that our Maori in New Zealand have, and yeah. the aboriginals and,
1: and cultures all over the world had yeah. before
0: we got distracted. Oh, yeah.
1: You're absolutely right about this in more ways than one. And that's why when we come back from break, I want to talk to you about the chapter in your book, um, and I, I just love that in I didn't expect this chapter to be in your book, but it's a chapter on emotion. I want to talk about this when we come back. There's something right in the book that you say. You say humans apparently drew the short straw in the evolutionary stakes. So we learned the hard way through pain. Yeah. Oh, oh. And so I think we're at the point now where there's a new realization to be had because pain is pretty much killing us. Let's take a short break. When we're back, when we come back with Jacqueline, we have three copies of the book to give away. Take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction. Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757, make an appointment today or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com and click on the link that says recovery recharged. Don't wait, get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Optimize your breast cancer screening without any radiation or pain. Effective, sensitive, and widely used thermal imaging in Europe is now available to you here in the US using state-of-the-art FDA-approved camera. Eastside's first and only Breast Thermography Clinic is now open in Bellevue. Safe, sensitive, low cost, no referrals needed. Contact Holistique Medical Center at 425-451-0404 or on the web drdarvish.com. What we've been taught and told is not all there is. Life is all about energy and the energy you feel is real. Tune into The Energy Paradigm each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com with Dr. Vic. The Energy Paradigm is an eye-opening, mind-shifting, transformative and earth-shattering way to live, work, and do business that will enable you to unlock your magic every day. Visit TheEnergyParadigm.com. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Pat. If you're like me, you're a woman business owner. Let me introduce you to the high-heeled go-givers. This community of women business owners are there. They are in it to win it for you, to uplifting and transforming the lives of women throughout our community. To find out more, to meet them, you wanna go visit highheeledgogivers.org and tune in to listen to what they're about to say to you on my show. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you know how powerless and stuck these emotions can make you feel. You've tried everything but nothing helped you overcome these blocks. Dr. Friedman Schaub, award-winning author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, created a special program which helped thousands of his clients to become healthy, happy, and confident again. Learn how to eliminate negative self-talk, let go of your emotional baggage, and replace limiting beliefs. With Dr. Friedman's accelerated program, you can break through your challenges. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. The book... Uh, where it's available, how it's available, where they can find out more information, and then especially about you. Well, they can they can
0: <clears throat> encourage their local bookstore to stock it would be a good idea. Okay. Um, and then you can get it from Inner Traditions, the publisher. It's available on um, Barnes and Noble and um, and on uh, you know the other outlets like Amazon one of uh an in indie bound i believe it's on indie bound in the states. Okay. yeah now yeah. i must point out though for listeners outside of the usa um it's uh it's available now in canada and um the uk but okay. it is not yet available in australia or new zealand i actually only received a copy from uh, manzanita um a <laughs> couple of days ago so okay. um <laughs> So (laughs) I hadn't hadn't held it in my hand before then. So Australia and New Zealand, it won't be here until probably mid to late August because of COVID-19 delays.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also, how do they find out about you directly? What's your website?
0: I have a website. Now, my name is a little complex to spell. So they can go to tallpixie.com. So just Tall Pixie, there's a story behind that, but it's easier for people to remember. Um, It's the name of my shop. I'm an artist as well as a writer, Um, so they will find a lot of art on the site. I have a blog, um, which at the moment I'm doing two things. I'm um, promoting other artists' work, sometimes my own if I have any new stuff, but I'm also writing a series on our time living in Egypt, my husband and me. Wow. And um, you know, that was pretty interesting. So <laughs> uh, we um, could do a whole nother show you like. on it. we
1: could do a whole nother show on that. Um you know one of the things that for me personally, um that going through my life experiences uh and then going through my corporate world. One of the things that was a complete disconnect for me and really was a lifelong journey in rising from a clerk, male position, pushing a mail cart to a, a corporate executive was this idea about where emotions should be and where they should not be. Leave your emotions at home. Nobody wants, right? There's no crying in baseball. I mean, we could go on about it but i love the way you talk about this because you know i have always felt for myself that emoting or however we describe it was of a higher order than the physicality of our body and what Mm -hmm. i mean by that is that there's something underneath it that just hits a person to a place which brings them to emotion that expresses itself in a physical form. And I wanted to talk to you about this because you talk about the evolution, human versus, right? Uh, But I loved what you included in this chapter. And most people do not talk about emotions and the truth and the astral plane. Um, so, Benny, let's give our first copy away. 1-800-930-2819. Let's give our first copy. Is this, is this right here, is this humanity's greatest challenge in the world? At the moment, today? yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. because, well, what we've got to remember is,
0: well, from from the perspective of metaphysics and ageless, ageless wisdom, you know, we've descended into matter. And um, over a long, long period of time, and um, at, at the, the bottom of that is having a physical body. Okay, so so for for probably millions of years, um, much longer than the anthropologists um, currently claim, right. um, we were developing this uh, physical body, learning how to use it, how to breathe it, how to digest how to do all those things that the physical body does i mean it's it's not something that goes snap snap and it's all there it's something that in in materiality you have to develop and the next and so and this is what initiations are about okay they're about um getting to the point where you are no longer driven by those drivers of that particular stage So you're no longer driven, in the first instance, by appetite, by sexual um, drivers, by all these things that the physical body um, gives us for our physical survival. But when you're no longer driven by that, but you're starting to be driven by emotion and desire and those kinds of feelings then you're moving into the next phase of development because the emotions uh, or that plane of desire, that which is also called the astral plane is the, is a finer density of substance. And this is the key is to understand that the, the universe or we'll just talk about earth, but we're, we're dealing with different levels of substance here. So the physical is the densest, then there's the liquid, then there's the gas, then there's the etheric, which is the blueprint for our physical body. And then there's the, the next, the next finest above that is the big astral plane. Each of them say that they say they've got seven subplanes. And then above that is the less dense mental plane. And so it goes on up and up and up and, each of those different levels requires a different level of consciousness to access it. So we, at the same time, we're developing different levels of
1: consciousness. Yeah. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because I was reading through the book, and I had this moment, right, where I I I was reflecting upon what happens when there is something that you want to fully express what happens when there's that thing you want to fully express and for whatever reason, it doesn't get expressed or you don't, you're not able to connect with something outside of yourself. Right. And, you know, I thought about this in, in reading, you know, parts of your book, but then I got to the section on thought and, one of the things that i've had to discover for myself is when i ask a question to god the universe goddess whatever that is i do i ask a very simple question and i almost immediately get an answer and i've been doing that for a number of years now most of my friends in the meditation community say pat that's not called that's not meditating and oh, i and, disagree it's it's called cool. It's actually occult meditating. Is that what it is? Yes, yeah, so that's what it's called. Yeah. But I'm reflecting upon it because I read the, the, I was reading in the book about the quality of thought. And so I want to talk with you about the intelligence that you reference in the book. I sit down and I'm fully present and I ask the question, what is mine to do today? And I don't always hear, do this, do that. Sometimes there's an image that'll pop in. Sometimes there's a thought that'll pop in. Sometimes there's emotion that'll pop in. And, you know, the question that I ask you is how do we help each other understand what you're referencing here as the quality of thought? Because when we talk about that it's very different than the way you describe it but boy i'll tell you it is essential for the time that we're living in don't you think
0: yeah um so your question is about the quality of thought
1: yeah how do we how do we build a level of trust for the thoughts that we have so for me I've done this enough that I know when I get an answer after three seconds, I I know it's, I know it's the answer. I don't say give me best two out of three. Yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying now. Um,
0: Well, it it goes back to that, um, the difference you talked about meditation. Um, There's most people who are meditating are meditating in a mystic way, right? They are kind of floating off and wanting to disappear into the ether wherever, right? Occult meditation is doing exactly what you're doing, which is getting into that state of stillness, but you're asking a question, right? And and so you're actually raising... The meditation to a level of um connectivity with a higher level of consciousness okay now that's that's not that's not to decry mysticism it's i'm not i'm not doing that yeah no. i'm just saying that it's it's a different it's a different avenue right and um in the ageless wisdom teachings we're told that actually this is this is the next stage because um the soul is sitting in the high the highest two planes or three planes of the mental of the mental plane at subplanes of the mental plane so actually we need thought to be able to get up that high and um it may well be your soul that's actually answering you right?
1: yeah
0: yeah um, and yeah. your soul is connected to every other soul. I mean, we we you know we're getting into some pretty heady stuff here. That's good. Um, <laughs> so the soul is the soul is definitely connected. That the soul meditates. We are told um, on its own plane with other souls, but it also meditates. When we get to a certain certain point of our evolution, it's meditating downwards to us paying attention to us and you know sometimes even if we're really good at this stuff sometimes we feel like we can't make a connection and it's said that that's because at those times the soul is actually busy elsewhere it's meditating on its own plane or it's it's um you know working higher up or making connection further up because we don't just stop at the soul we keep on going um, the masters yeah. exist. They, they, their consciousness rests way above the level of soul. So, what I think you're doing is you are you are actually elevating your thought, clearing. You're getting out of your emotional body. You're getting out of that, and and making your thought pure enough to get an answer from higher up your own chain of being.
1: And, and, you know, for me, when I, when I moved through the book, one of the things that I really stopped and studied was the diagram in the book on uh, Deva we create. And in this, this part of the book, um, I really found it fascinating to me about intentional design, and so forth. And, you know, my friend says that, To the point where our electromagnetic energy distorts our way of being, then we have to wonder if we can trust our way of being. Now, that is a really deep thing. I mean, I'm still thinking about what my friend said to me, right? But I totally get it at some level. Um, You know, in the book, you know, you really have put a new way to think about these material things we're creating. Um, as if they didn't have a um, an energetic zone. That's the way we operate sometimes. We operate as if we're building a thing, but we don't necessarily take into consideration you know, the wildest sense of it. And I wanted to talk about this a little bit, because when we say the word create, like we say, what do you want to create to somebody? they're not thinking about something esoteric, or they're not thinking about maybe communicating with another kingdom or another realm. Um, I want to ask you this question. How many natures, from from what you've written in the book, how many different natures are we tapping into under the guise of creation?
0: Oh, uh, that's a really interesting question. Um, I need to remember that question because it's something that's Definitely worth contemplating. How many? I think get, about it a um, lot. Because, yeah, uh, but but I I waited to ask you. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, well, I think it's a dance between a whole lot of levels, you know, um, because we're not we're not compartmentalized, and our, um, you know, for instance, you will find people, at, particularly in the science community. We're very advanced mentally, but actually you get the feeling that they have not developed their emotional body particularly well, right? So, you know, we, we can we can kind of leap ahead of ourselves and um and, and what we tend to so you know another time they'll come back in another lifetime and they'll sort their emotional you know, <laughs> their emotional body. Um so I think that what we're doing and we're very, we're very complex because we're, we're using, um, so many different levels of being all at once and we're swapping and swapping between them. And some of them we got control of and some of them we haven't. Um, so, and I think that this breeds a lot of chaos, you know, (laughs) within. (laughs) and, um, yeah. Uh, And then when those of us who, like you, are pretty sensitive to, you know, your internal workings and what's going on around you. um, That's so true. Yeah. Then we we have that added into the mix. You know, I'm constantly surprised by having to realize that actually other people don't pick up all the stuff that I'm picking up. Um, and so it makes, I think it life, makes life much easier for them because it's much more cut and dried. Uh, but it means that they're shut off from the effects of what they do, their effects on other people, their effects on their own development, their effects on nature, you know, um, let's just take something simple, like yeah. the weeds in my drive. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could go and buy a, a pack of I won't name it, but you know yeah. one of the one of the potent poisons that I right. could go spray on it, or I can go to my kitchen and I can get um, a bulk refillable jar of um, of white vinegar, right? And spray that on it, or I can I can pour boiling water on it, right? First of all, though. I would explain to the plant why it's not appropriate for it to grow there. And I'm really sorry. Um, and in the book, as you know, you know, we're talking about the different levels of deva, So yeah. we can deal with these, these lower levels quite happily and easily. Give them with time to withdraw back to their source and pour the vinegar on it or the boiling water. And we don't have to poison everything, people to get rid of our weeds you know so I'm sorry I probably kind of digressed
1: no you didn't you didn't because if we use that as a real example which you did it's also a metaphor I mean Mm -hmm. we can also take it metaphorically and I love that you brought that up because I was out in the garden yesterday okay um and but you're bringing up three things if I could ask you to comment on them and Betty please let's give another copy of the book away 1-800-930-2819 and let me see if if you can elaborate on this but you didn't really digress you're giving an example that I never thought in the life I had up until age 40 I never thought that I'd be having a conversation, Jacqueline, with someone like you, and we would be talking about a book that's called Deva. And we'd be talking about the fact that this is about relationships with the subtle world and that I would even have a halfway curious question to ask you. Now, why do I believe that? Because my life then was very different, but I know this now today, and that's why I love your weed story. I know this now today. I know that every thing, every moment, every aspect of that world and beyond, those relationships with the subtle world many, 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 many times for me were the difference between life, death, school, homeless, love, hate, And when you talk about this, I am struck by two things. And I I wish I, I would like to talk a little bit. I happened to learn about indigenous, I should say, indigenous rituals, relationships with the Earth in the oddest way. But I did. In 1997, I was asked to go out with a woman who became my mentor on a vision quest. She had been doing it for 30 years. And I was asked to go out so I could steal all of her ideas from my boss so that we could create something like that so he could make money. Well, to, I know. I had to share this with you because it is related to the, the weeds and the story you're telling. But lo and behold, the, the subtle world doesn't let you do that, does it? No. No. And so what happened with that was I came back not the same person from Mm -hmm. 10 days in a desert experiencing what it's like to live on water, to be with nature, to do all of the above. I was different. But here's what I'll say to you. My mentor allowed us to write it down. When I came home, I wish I would have had the wheat story you're telling today because the experience, and then it led me on a whole other experience as I work with young people in a coming of age program based on the Lakota traditions. But here's the thing I want to say. You just described a ritual that has to do with an unseen energy to honor another living entity on the planet. And there's something powerful about that. Now, I don't know if you used hot water or if you used (laughs) vinegar, but you had a conversation. And I can't tell you how important that is, but your book talks about that. Mm. And I wonder, what can we do from your perspective, Jacqueline, What can we do to remember that part of us? Because it is a part of it. I mean, look, I'm a girl from the Bronx. I never thought, look, my my father poured cement on the yard, the backyard. So to find myself in a medicine wheel in the high desert of California, talking to rattlesnakes who didn't want to share a rock ledge, honestly. But let's talk about what you just said. And how that is a pivotal point for our culture in the world we live in today.
0: Yeah, it, it is so. Um, uh, we have such different experiences growing up in different places, you know. Um, I was very lucky in the sense that I, you know, my there was a a, a playing field. Um, was, they played cricket and rugby and stuff on this playing field and you know, and, and it was surrounded, this playing field was surrounded by what we call belt. In other words, it was kind of park area, hilly, because the city I grew up in is very hilly. Yeah. And then when I was five, my parents moved to Western Samoa. So, um, and, you know, it's very jungly. It's, it's hot and it's um, tropical forest, rainforest. So, you know, I got to play in these places which were very, very natural. And you know, we're talking about the 1950s here. Um, I was it was 54 when we went to Samoa. Um, and there was no television. We didn't have television. Uh, right today wouldn't even, you know, can't imagine that, right? No television. Um radios we didn't even have transistor radios till i was 14 okay so and a transistor to those who don't know is a, a, a little radio that you can walk around with today, today you do it on your phone but a radio in those days was a big thing that stood on the floor okay so and you had an old-fashioned telephone that was run by a you know a, a a person in a, in a room connecting everybody together through wires. So it was very, very different and there were no distractions. You weren't looking at a tablet all the time. You weren't on the internet all the time. You were actually in the moment doing what you were doing. The school over there, it was only a few hours a day because it was too hot. Um, and um, then we'd go home. Uh, my mother was a school teacher We'd uh have lunch, we'd have a sleep, and then she'd take me and my brother to the beach and we'd swim. Coral reefs, angelfish, you know, you name yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Paradise. So and in New Zealand, coming back to New Zealand when I was um uh, seven, uh they're again surrounded by nature. So um I I remember a girl that I was friendly with and I went to stay with her and she lived in a hotel in the city, right? And there was no green around her at all. And she loved coming to my place because we had green around us. So I think it's a number of all these things that have piled up together. And I loved lockdown because I wasn't, being bombarded with stuff that, you know, we I really don't need. Um, so I can't speak for other people, but I have met people who are terrified of going near a tree or or can't walk on anything but a pavement. And it, it, it horrifies me because there is so much wonderful experience to be had, as you found out, mm. in a desert yeah. or in a forest. Um, yeah. Just in a beautiful garden, but cities have gardens. Go sit there. Go sit under a tree in a gar- in in those gardens. New York's got the wonderful Central Park, oh. and um, and it's just beautiful. Just so you just have to take whatever opportunity you have to forget about your phone, forget about all these things that you think are so essential. And go sit with nature and just be
1: in the moment. That's yeah. all I can say. <laughs> well, and let's talk about what that does because sometimes when, you know, uh, I find myself sometimes when I, I do these shows and I have conversations, it may seem, con- it may seem uh, counter to the way I live my life. And I want to talk about this because, you know, what do those times in my life, e- even like today, when I'm done? right? This is my morning. It started at six this morning. When I'm finished with this show, I will walk out in my yard in bare feet and there's a reason I do it. One of the misconceptions I find and you know want to address is from your book, is the idea that you cannot be spiritual or spiritually connected, and achieve things in the world, highly successful. And because remember once upon a time when we thought if you're spiritual, you're not making money, you're not doing art, you're not writing books, you're not consulting in corporations. And in the world we live in today, if I would take the principles in the book and the things you talk about in your book, and we combine that, human being, and human doing with these subtle world entities, I've often thought about how the amount of brain matter we use would be elevated from 11% to higher. Because Mm -hmm. I do think that we're missing the energy of wisdom that was given to us. I really do. And not just to sit and talk and just think about it, but why were we given it and then given our physicality if we were not to be doing something? I don't know. Can you help me with that maybe? Well, I think
0: we have to go back to something else that's in the book and that's the motive behind our intentions. Okay. So, when whether we're working in business or whether we're working in art or whether we're sweeping the street, what's our motive? You know, there there are endless different ways to do things and to approach things. So, you know, commerce, as I pointed out, the day, and this really surprised me, the deva of commerce pointed out that it's part of the deva of communication. And to communicate is to commune with something, right? It's not to be separate. It's not to exploit something. It's to commune, to be with it. But what we've done is that particularly in corporate, in the corporate world, as you know from your experience going out into the desert and why you were there, what you were supposed to be doing there and couldn't do there, was <laughs> You were supposed to be, you were there to commune with the desert, whereas your boss was not there to put you in touch with the desert. He was there to exploit something, okay? So we don't have to have commerce that exploits um, a large number of people to, to benefit a very, very small number of people. We don't have to do it that way. It's not like it's the only way to do it and we don't have to go the communist way either there are other we are so inventive but yeah. we can't get to a new way of doing those things until we say hang on a minute what's my motive behind doing it this way what's my motive like the guy's motive that sent you off to the desert his motive was to exploit somebody else if his motive had been different then you know he would have got a different a different result yeah, so yeah. that is core and that comes back to both our emotional and mental decisions doesn't it so the emo- the emotional body is the body of desire it's wanting that guy was wanting something more he wanted he was being greedy okay He wanted something that somebody else had and he wanted it for himself, but only in terms of money, okay? So so this is part of the problem that we're grappling with. We're grappling with our desire body and people who also have a good mental grasp of how, how business can be exploited and they've got this out of control emotional body Of course they're going to exploit people because they're not
1: examining the Mm -hmm. motives behind what they're doing. Yeah. And you know, that's really brings me back to not just the many different ways you talk about this in the book, but also the many different ways you demonstrate to us or at least shine a light on how amazing we really are. Mm -hmm. And if we would do if we would remember that and get back to something very core and innate to all of us you know this would be transformative in in itself jacqueline thank you so much uh for today please let folks know one more time how they can get a copy of the book and also find out more about you okay it's called deva our relationship
0: with the subtle world Um, the publisher in the traditions they you can buy it direct from them you can buy it from barnes and noble you can buy it on amazon you can buy it an indie bound or you can ask your local bookstore to please stock it and you'll you'll probably um you can find it on my website not to sell but you'll find all the references about it tallpixie.com. thank
1: you Yes, thank you. Last question, what's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today?
0: Stop running around and just be where you are and feel the aliveness in every single thing that surrounds you, whether it's a tree or the wall in front of you or the painting or whatever. It's created out of matter. You're created out of matter. That's your connection. Your connection is the deva within that matter, the intelligence that enabled those things to come together.
1: Mm, thank you so very much. Wow, Jacqueline, Jacqueline Lane, everybody. Um, lots to think about today, but more importantly, you know, there is a connection. There is a connection that's available to all of us. It's there. And so as my, my dad used to say, the ball's in my court. Let's uh, take a short break, everybody. Thank you for tuning us in, turning us on. Benny, thank you. Olivia, thank you. We'll see you next time.